there's a rumor going around that to raise our children um, to be world changers, either the school, a Christian school, the church, or a good Christian man on Facebook, or a Facebook page that's Christian is the ones that's going to do it. There's a rumor out there I hear, but it's y'all. If you want to cha- make world changers, you got to be a world changer. You cannot pour what's not in you. So you cannot expect someone else to empower your children to be something you're not. Because what they see at home is a lot of times what they're going to see and be. And so it's going to take, if you want, to, you want your kids to walk in the prophetic, model the prophetic. You want your kids walking in faith, model faith. You want your kids to walk in power, model power. Because it's, it's not up to the church and it's not up to school. And Facebook and Instagram and social media will not disciple your children in power. Amen? Amen. So if you, if you guys want to get more, if we need to get more resources um, for you just to read, to get empowered, to get imparted to, please let us know. Anything that you need, we will buy and put out there. And if you can't afford it, we will give it to you. Okay? This is a resource place. So I don't want anybody ever thinking, I can't afford a book. You find Chuck or I or anybody, and if you want something and need it, and you're going to use it and empower with it, we will give it to you. Okay? We want you to be as equipped as you can, because guess what? There's no generational revival without our children. You know, we could all sit here for the day, and we're all, you know, 20 and older saying, hey, revival, let's have this moment. But what about our children? It ends with us if we're not training our children to come in to the power, to the supernatural aspect and power of God. Because they can study God and know what Noah did and Moses did and Jesus did and Paul did, but are they going to know what the Holy Spirit did through them to change the world? Amen? So let's get a reality check on our children. Let's bring the next generation up in power. Because that's what, that's what gets me going, is that when I see kids laying hands on people because they actually believe that what they're praying for will happen. Because I tell you what, you have someone come down in a wheelchair and, and, and you're my age, it's like, oh no, a headache comes, I got all the faith in the world, right? You give it a child in a wheelchair is coming, and he's saying, bring on three more. Childlike faith. So that's not even my message, but I feel like preaching it, you know? <laughs> my message can be boring compared to that. Anyway, what I want to talk about tonight is that we just got back from um, Bethel at the Leaders Advance. And one of the things I love about the Leaders Advance, you get around a bunch of leaders from around the world. Uh, there were 18, 19, or I don't know how many, 20 countries represented there. You get just this influx of what God's doing around the globe. And you get, when you get with leaders, and they kind of, everyone lets their hair down a little bit, you get to realize really what's going on, right? Not the, fest, not the Facebook testimonies, right? You know, where, you know, the guy caught a six-pound fish, but it, you know, but it was really two and a half. You actually go, here's what's going on. Here's how we're doing. You get real with leaders around the world to find out what's going on. And what encourages me is that people are coming back to family. People are coming back to family. They're realizing that the church, the church that as, we, as I grew up in, of you come in, check the box, and leave, is dead. Or no work. It does not work. And they're coming back to family. They're coming back to community. They're coming back to openness and vulnerability and transparency. Brian Johnson wrote a book that I just read the first chapter of, and if you have read it, and it's during his process of a nervous breakdown. This is the head of Bethel Media, Bill Johnson, I mean Bethel Music, Bill Johnson's son, and he had this breakdown where an ambulance came and took him out of the home while his children were watching. And as he turned to his children, in this moment, said to, I think it was his daughter, he said, this is when God becomes real. Think about that for a moment. Here you are in, an, in a gurney going to an ambulance. They're taking you out of their house. And the one thing that a father imparts to their children as they're panicked is this is when, be, when God becomes real. Think about that for a moment. When does God become real? When does God become real for you? And that's not even my message. My message is not going to compare to this, but I could go on on some of the stuff that's going on inside what we saw this week. It was just a great week. Um, But we saw testimonies from around the world of people turning back to family and not church. Love the church, right? it, It is the bride. It is we love the church, but we don't doing church. We like doing family. 
And that's, that's what I saw. You saw people, even the leaders of Bethel, coming out, all the leaders that we knew, and it's family, it's family, it's community, it's vulnerability, it's openness, that we don't all have to have it together. That it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to have a bad day. And so th that was one of the most encouraging things in the world to me. I came back so refreshed from that that I wasn't looking at a bunch of just, you know, a thousand posers trying to find out who has the biggest church and impact in the world and has more Facebook followers, right? Has more social impact. But it was guys that are going, man, I'm struggling here, and here's what we're seeing God doing, but we're not seeing God doing this. You know, uh, I heard guys talking about um, where, where blind eyes are opening, and then another guy tells me where they haven't seen any miracles. And it's just real. Bill Johnson said he prayed for a thousand people before something ever happened. And then they just celebrated that one thing. That lit me up. If you've ever prayed for a lot of people and nothing happens, just wait till it does. It's going to build your faith. <laughs> right? Don't stop praying. Just keep praying. So anyway, well, I want to talk a little bit about, about vision, resource, and impact is kind of my topic tonight. Vision, resource, and impact. I'm going to share, first off, who has been here for less than a month? Stand up. Less than a month. If you're new here, less than a month. Please, I'm not embarrassing anybody. Okay, who's been here less than three months? Stand up. Six months. One year. You've been here less than one year, stand up. Okay, here's what I want to do. Everybody's sitting down. Everyone standing up has been here for less than one year. Look at their faces. Memorize about 10 of them if you can. Look at their faces. Because what I want you to do that's been here over the year, because what I'm preaching on tonight is, going to talk, is, is our vision, our resource, and the impact we're having in people's lives. And it doesn't happen without impacting the lives of the new family members that have come into our family. So look at these people. Now, you people standing up, look at the people sitting down. Find a few faces. Seriously, this is not a game. Now, sometime in the next month, seek out some people that you don't know, that you saw standing and you saw sitting, and go get coffee with them. Go say hello. Go have dinner after church. Because this is what I'm going to talk about tonight. Is it, it, this is as real as it gets. Because we can't say we're family. We can't say, you know, as the father of the house, I can't get with everyone, but I can get with some. But y'all can get with everyone. And so what I want to see is the family come together where you're recognizing people that are new here. And I'm going to try to do this exercise every six months because guess what? Loneliness is real. Loneliness is real. And all it takes is for someone with courage to step out and cure loneliness. It doesn't take a, a lab. It doesn't take money. It doesn't take some biotech genius to cure loneliness. The only cure is the courage of another to go up to another and say, hey, you want to get together? Amen? That's all it takes is the courage of one to go see another. And you can't blame another if you're not willing to go see another. Okay? Because you're lonely does not make you the victim. You're not a victim if you're lonely. You're just not stepping out to go find someone so you're not lonely. Are we okay with this? You sure? Okay. Because this is important to my message because the people sitting in the seats don't have any right to sit there waiting on you to come to them and the ones standing don't have any right because they're new saying, I'm new, where's, my, where's the new members class that welcomed me and give me my button? Family doesn't do that. I didn't get a name tag when I came into my family's world. They didn't tattoo my name Joey and I said, hi, I'm Joey. They knew who I was. So when you come in here and this is family, we ought to know each other's faces and be able to say, hey, there's something different. And guess what? I go up to people all the time and say, hey, I'm Joey. I know Joey. We met twice. I know, but there's 300 of you. So just help me out here. And if you have to say your name again, don't avoid someone. I'm just, this isn't my message either. <laughs> but if you don't avoid somebody because you forgot their name, just go up boldly and crazily say, hey, Kelly, I've been married to you for 32 years, but what was your name again? I mean, it's just like, it doesn't matter. The worst thing they can do is maybe slap you. 
But don't be, I'm just saying, I want to, I want to speak courage over every one of you sitting and standing that you would embrace someone you don't know to find something out about somebody that might have a key to your life that you don't have, that you've been searching for, because they carry something you don't carry, and they, don't, they carry something that no one else carries that's been in your life, and they might have a key to your life. Is everyone okay with this exercise? Okay, thanks for participating. I'm going to have a lot of little short messages. I'm really not going to have anything to say. Okay. Where was I? Where, I wasn't on my notes, so where am I? Jesse, cartoon. The pamphlet is Blake. Yes, we're atheists. Think about that. Think about that. It's a little more, maybe my simple thinking makes it more profound than it really is. But to me, that's very profound. It said, see, if you believe in nothing, you have nothing to say that will change anyone. Because most people that don't believe in anything don't have anything to say that will change anyone's life. They have everything to say that will take from people's lives. Because they don't believe anything. They have no conviction. There's nothing that they can hang on to. There's nothing tangible. But the belief has to have action that results in impact. The act, there has to be an action to your belief system to have impact. Because impact is all that matters. Good thoughts, that's why I don't like this thing. Well, I'm, um, you know, I have good thoughts. What, doesn't it change me? Your good thought toward me doesn't help me. Just being honest, right? You, you know, your good intentions don't help me. Oh, I, I had really good intentions of coming over and laying hands on you because I know you're sick. Okay, but you didn't. And so I'm still sick. Y'all with me? There has to be impact. There has to be impact. So what happened about uh, October 2010? For, you know, for all the people that stood, hey guys, and if you've been here over a year, you've heard some of this. I'm going to talk about the, how I got the vision of the church. Because it plays into what I'm talking about. That there's, you know, we're trying to see people move from one spot to another while engaging people right, and having impact in the world. But only this time, it's not out of guilt or guilt or need of service, but it's out of the power of the Holy Spirit. That it's driven by the right source in order to move in the right direction to have long-term impact. But the vision of the church, what happened was, before Jesse puts it up, is in October 2010, I'm at Bethel for a, this transformational school. Kelly and I, Jeff and Emery, there's 70 of us in a room in a hotel conference room. <clears throat> this is back when we, Bill, Bill Johnson, Danny Sill, Chris Valentin, uh, Paul Manwaring, I mean, the whole staff, Dan Fairley was there, and we had five days of just us on them, talking to us about church, talking to us about what it looks like, kingdom culture. So in the fifth day, they tell us, hey, intercessors have been praying in this room over at Bethel called the Great Room. They've been praying in the, this room and interceding all week for you guys. And so we're going to have you all go over there and just sit. You can't take your Bibles. You can't take notebook. You can't take music. You're going to sit in the presence. There's going to be worship, lead, worship music playing. There's pillows everywhere. Uh, you can just lay down. And it, we're going to go in there for two hours. Now, if you know me, I can't sit still for two minutes. I mean, and I travel a lot. And so I get, I get a little antsy in the air, airplane seat. So they sent us over there. I went, oh, this is going to be great. So... I had a great attitude at the time. So we go in there, and I'm sitting, I'm, I'm, I'm laying down, and I'm just starting to pray a little bit, and 30 minutes into it, I kind of want to move around. And so, I, if you can see me, I'm laying down like this, and I can't move. I am, can't, and I'm 6'3", I'm 225 pounds, I'm a pretty strong man, and I'm not emotionally unstable or easily influenced. I don't do stuff because everyone else is doing it. I don't do something because I think it's what, God, what people want to see in me as a man of God. So in other words, I don't do things just to do things. And I'm pinned to the floor, and I can't move. Now, if you know me, you know that that's kind of, for me, that, that was this weird, 
right? And for some of you going, okay, you're weird, but you don't know me. I'm really not weird. I just sometimes have weird things happen to me. So here I am pinned to the floor, and I want to get up. I move my shoulders. I felt these hands push me down. And I heard these words, Joey. And he speaks to my, God. If you've heard me preach over the last several years, you know he speaks in my voice, in my language. He doesn't speak in King James to me because I wouldn't understand him. He just says, Joey, be still and listen. And what he did was over the next hour and a half, I seriously could not move. I couldn't even move my fingers. If I'm, hey, if I'm exaggerating anything, then I'm a liar. I could not move. And I, someone goes, why couldn't you? I, I can't explain it. But I wasn't, I wasn't trying to, I wouldn't take up an offering afterward. I didn't need anything. There was no one I was trying to oppress. I was by myself, laying down on the floor on a pillow in a room full of other pastors, not looking for attention. And I was pinned. And he said, just listen. He goes, I'm going to give you a vision for a church that I want to see. And he started downloading this vision. And I couldn't write this down. He just started downloading it in my, in my head, in my spirit. And it was just, and, I, and he was telling me all these things in between this, telling me all these things. Now, the bottom half is personal. I'll get to it in a minute. Let, let's read it in a minute. But hear what I have to say before we go into it. He pinned me to the floor, and he's telling me all these things he wants to see in the church. Here's, here's what I want you to lead. You and Kelly, here, here's, what, I, here's what, what we're going after. And it was a blueprint for a church that I've never seen before. I had other people look at it, like Paul Mannering, different guys. He goes, this is, this is a new blueprint for a church. And what it was was gather, transform, and equip. You see it on our deal. You can't have family without gathering. That's what's so important about Sundays. Sunday's not a check the box. Sunday's a gathering time to eat at the table with family. It's not an obligation. It's not where we're going to ask you for money. None of that. It's where we come together, worship, pray, minister, have fun, joke. You know, you hear a message. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes worship. So, you know, sometimes we worship all, all you know, for the whole time. But we have to gather in order to be family. It's just one of those sayings. But we don't ever want it to be an obligation. But we want it to be a priority. Because it's one of those things where if we're making choices to do something else, then what's, ha what's happening with our choices? Are we being plugged into the body? Well, I have community elsewhere. Yeah, but look at all the people here that might need your ministry or might have a ministry towards you. Because we're a body. We all feel it. When you don't th if, if we can't read what the body, when Paul talks about the, what the body is, that we all, the body feels all the other parts, and if you think that you're missing or someone else is missing doesn't affect the body, then you're reading the wrong Bible. I don't miss when people aren't here because I want to see a bunch of people. I miss it because I don't know what you're missing or what you're running from or what you could offer. Make sense? Because you have something to offer, and then sometimes you're running like, oh, I just can't be convicted today. I can't, I just, I, I just, I'm too sad, I'm too depressed. That's when you need to run to the church and say, I need help. You would if you all of a sudden had this big tumor out of your shoulder, you'd go, you'd run to the doctor. Well, if you're depressed or fearful, anxiety, or something blows up in your family, your marriage, your son, run, because you know there's people here that will, or, you know, I'm just speaking for this church, but I'm also the collective body. This goes on at the, at the Nash's church too and a lot of other churches I visit, but this, I'm just speaking here. The vision of the church that God gave me. That we run to it because that's where the family, just like you were when, hey, when you tripped and fell out in the front yard when you were little, well, I didn't do this at my house much, but, um, but uh, some of your houses where you had actually parents that were home all the time, you, you would run into the house and say, ah, I fell. You'd go to that place when you got hurt. Same here. If we're really going to walk as what Paul wants us to walk about, talk about. Second one was transformed, transformed by his presence. By the Holy Spirit, worship, healing, prophecy, miracles, we're transformed by the power of His Holy Spirit and everything that flows from the Holy Spirit. We are not transformed just by good words. We are transformed by strong power. And the power can come on the words, but if it's not powered by the Holy Spirit, it's just a gong. And so he, he was talking about being transformed by his presence. When, when we first got together in our home, it was like, Lord, here, it wasn't like sometimes you get a vision and uh, people say, well, here's our vision, God bless it. 
we said, Lord, here we are. Because the, the main purpose of the vision was being transformed by his Holy Spirit and his presence. So we said, Lord, here we are. What do you want to do? Because once we tell you what we want to do, we've walked out of our vision. So every, I mean, that's why sometimes we worship longer, we worship softer. We don't, we do different things because it's like, Lord, what are you doing? When we give, which I'm going to talk about in a minute out of resources, we, we pray about it that moment. We don't go, okay, our giving schedule for the next quarter is, and we all go in this, this deep thought and move numbers around. No, it's like, this person needs money. Okay, what are y'all hearing? What are y'all hearing? We all get together and go, what are you hearing? We'll text, what are you hearing? Three grand, great. Give them three grand. You know, it's like that's how we move. If we're not guided by the Holy Spirit, and if you're not guided by the Holy Spirit in your life, if you, if you look at a job and only for what pays the most, you're missing out on the potential of a job that could be transformed the most. The most money doesn't mean the most blessing. Make sense? So if we're really, people always, I want to I give a testimony to Chuck. I, I just thought of this. Chuck, you're going to be my... My show and tell. And you're not, even in my, you're not even in my notes. So before they were coming here, just give a little insight to Anna and Chuck's heart and how we operate. Um, we're at dinner, and they've decided, hey, I think we're, we're, we want to come and join y'all and be a part of what you're doing. And Chuck, I'm not sure how I asked it. He might remember, but it's something he said of like, okay, like, he didn't say it this way, but I'm going to say it this way. Like, so how much are you going to pay me? Pretty much how much... Are we going to make? He didn't ask it like that, don't, but I just don't remember unless you remember. And I said to him these words. I said, if I only want you if you're called here, not because of the amount of money we pay you. So if you're not called here, we're not going to pay you anything. So you come because you're called and trust God to provide for you. And of course, he said, we're called here. And of course, I think we offered him more than what he was going to ask us anyway. See, God wants to know that you're totally relying upon his call in your life. And just in jobs of being transformed, every area of your life, in business, in work, in family, we have to be totally dependent on the presence of God in our lives. We have to sit in that chair where God sits and allow him to infiltrate every area of our life. The funny thing about it is, I've always said this before, the mo our money or job is the last Alamo of the heart. We'll die on that hill. I mean, people talk about our, their sex life to us in counseling, but they won't tell me how much money they make a year. They, I mean, seriously, I, that's not even a joke. It's the last Alamo of the heart, and so why aren't we submitting that to Holy Spirit? So those are just examples of what I'm talking about. And then equipping. Think about the equipping aspect of this. So here I am, and he's just downloading all this stuff. He's equipping through teaching, exhorting, and love, and honor. You know, the culture that we build, sacrifice and serve. All those things. And then I asked him, I said, Lord, what about sending? And I argued with God. Isn't that great? You argue with God. Seriously, I go, no, we've got to send, right? right? I mean, that's what I've learned all these years. We send people out. He goes, no, when, when people become who they are in me, they'll know exactly where to go because I'll tell them. I went, you're the boss. And it made all the sense in the world to me. Because all those years we're saying, well, I've been sent. And people do get sent. But only when they hear God can they be sent. If I send somebody, if I send, if I send Stan saying, I need to go to the Ukraine and spend 10 years. Well, he better be called to the Ukraine to go there for 10 years. We'll send you, but he won't be happy. <laughs> Making sense? I'm trying to put skin on this bone. Because some of the times, if we don't talk about it, we think, yes, he was sent to the Ukraine. Yeah, but did God tell you to go to the Ukraine? Because if God tells you to go to the Ukraine, I'm going to partner with what God's doing in your life and send you. Make sense? Because I'm trying to get rid of the misnomers of really what this looks like in church. The church does not control anybody. They empower people. And when they empower people, they want to see them get transformed. And when they get transformed, then we see impact. I have enough trouble being the boss of myself with being the boss of you. But what I will do is partner with you when you hear God. If you hear God and, it, and we're in agreement, hallelujah, we're going to send you somewhere. I don't care if it's Sheboygan or the Northern Alaskan Pipeline to go and 
minister to the Eskimo people. But whatever it is, you have to be called. See, there's one part of the vision is that the, he gave me a, a number. It said number three, and it, it means divine completion, perfection. I'm not saying this is perfect vision. Don't hear that. That's just the number he gave me, and I still haven't figured it out yet. But I know what he gave me was divine completeness, complete, this, this completeness, like every area of what I felt God's heart was for this church or for the church. It was just a complete thing of his heart. Now, it doesn't mean that we're manifesting that complete thing, but it was, I think his intention was to download something that actually had meaning that could actually impact and how people feel this way. So then he went on to me. Well, that was fun. And the crazy thing about this, when he did this, when it was over with, they go, okay, music stops. I booked out of there because I had all this downloaded. I grabbed my notebook, and that's, that's the picture you're seeing on the side of my notebook. And I was scribbling what he told me, just scribbling it down as fast as I could, fast as I could, because I didn't want to miss any point that he, that he showed me. And I can't remember. I have a good short-term memory, but I can't believe I got all that. But for me, he said, he gave me four L's, listen, lead, love, and lift up. Listen to his voice, prayer, prophecy, word, soak, spend time in his presence, the lead, whatever I hear, and only what I say, not I say, he says. Love, love with my feet to serve, love with my hands to heal, love with my eyes with empathy, compassion, I've been working on that one. Love with my ears to listen, still working, and love with my mouth to bless and exhort. I mean, those are things he told me I needed to do, but I'm still working, I'm still in process. It's not like I go, thank you, Lord, I accomplished all these tasks when I walked out of this room. No, I was still in process trying to figure out, Lord has to deal with me and my stuff, right? That was nine years ago. Hopefully, I'm nine years better. But I tell you what, I know back then, you know, there were some unpleasantries in some of those. You can ask my wife. I mean, I, I didn't listen well. There's a lot of things I didn't do well. And then lift up. Lift up his name and the gifts and the anointings of others. See, I believe everything we have is to lift other people up. Everything we have is to maintain our life, right, in God, connection with God in his presence, and to pour out. Freely you receive, freely give. And I believe that is one of the biggest things that we miss out on. We, we come with buckets empty, and then we go home with buckets full, and then we come back with buckets empty. And really, the question that God has for us, so what other plants did you water besides your own? I've watered my plants selfishly for many years, many years, because I wanted everything God had for me, and then I would give leftovers when I had them. And one, you know, in one moment, something trans changed in me of like, I'm missing, the, I'm missing the point. I'm missing the point in the fact that he wants to transform me so that I can dot, dot, dot. What is your dot, dot, dot? What is it in you that is your dot? I can't tell you what that is, but I can tell you what it looks like when you tell me. And I can tell you what it doesn't look like. Well, I'm called to the nations. Great. Where are you training? I'm going to the streets. Have you been there yet? I mean, there's things that are tangibly measured. When people say, I mean, we've had people walk in here and hand Kelly business cards, and all the business cards say, I'm an uh, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, and, and pastor. Miracle signs and wonders follow me everywhere I go. On one business card. I said, dang. I, you know, I want some of that. Came, left. Never saw her again. I just wanted to ask her one question. Just, just let me see the fruit of that. That's all I want to see. I, I want people to ask me that question. Well, I'm a, you know, what's your gifting? I, I think, I, I believe that I'm a leader, I'm apostolic, and I have certain gifts. What's the fruit of that? And I hope I can have, sit there and be able to tell somebody, here's some of the things that God's done. Not as a bragging, but as testimony. Not as defense, but testimony that God is actually moving in my life. Because if God's not moving in my life, then I'm, I'm, I'm running on a treadmill. And I don't want to run on a treadmill. So this is what he downloaded. And so I came out and I shared it with Kelly uh, and Jeff and Anne-Marie. I mean, is this like a lightning bolt hit us? And we said, okay, 
this is it. And we started having people come in, come in into our home. You know, um, how many of you people here started in our home? Raise your hand. Yeah. There's a lot in these people. Yeah, I mean, in, in our home, is it, when you only have 20, 30, 40 people, it's very organic and it's very family. We'd have dinner after service in our kitchen. And it was, but it was really intimate. And, and we saw these things come alive. And what I'm saying now and why I had you stand up, because this can't come alive to transform and equip generations unless we're equipping and sowing into one another. That if we're just sowing into our, ourselves and then leaving and wondering why I didn't get mine or why so-and-so didn't talk to me or nothing's changing in my life, but I'm not sharing anything in my life for someone to sow into, well, nothing's changing in my life. Well, who are you talking to about it? Well, no one. Okay, so what do you want me to do about it? We don't, I'm not your answer, man. He is. But I tell you what, he has people in here that might be your answer. I love the fact that we have a prophetic word because there's a business anointing on this house. I firmly believe there's a business anointing on this house. That's someone prophesies about jobs and all of a sudden three job offers come. It's like, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear the testimony, and I'll say it again that I've said this before when I talked about generosity, is that I want to hear the testimonies, not just the people that go, well, I got a job, or I make 30000 I got 34000 I want to hear testimonies, and because I don't want someone to shy away from the testimony of God that someone made a half a million, now they're making a million. Well, I don't want to brag. Brag on God. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, remember the Lord your God, it's for he that gives you the power to make wealth. And so why can't we give testimony to the fact without making people like, oh, well, they only make this, so what? God is good. I want to I build faith from people that, are, that think bigger than I do. I try to surround myself with people that think bigger than I do so I can believe more, believe bigger. I don't ever want to believe less. I don't want to be stupid, but I don't want to believe less. And so I want to encourage you to get around people that can give testimony, to give, give you testimonies that generally draw out your, your insecurities. See, I'm going to, one of the things, I, I was going to try to do this, but I don't know if I am or not, but as earth is in heaven, Paul Manwaring did this message that was fantastic. And... Um, Yes, we'll try to do it. And he put this chair, he put this chair in the middle and said the chair is the presence of God. That's where the presence of God sits. And it's the focal point of who we are. And, it, and in the presence, all the other things that churches do, all the other things we do, sit in submission to the presence of God. For instance, if the chair was over there and not in the center, the church still could have good worship. It could have good teaching, right? It could have great child care. I, I love it when I hear parents go, they just have the best child care. Great. Okay, follow, follow your children where they should go. And when they're old, they will be crazy. <laughs> and so the chair is the presence, and the chair is the center. And I'm not going to go through the whole teaching, but when we lose that focus and say, oh, they have such great worship. Oh, he's such a dynamic speaker. Oh, the children's church is fantastic. Oh, they make me feel welcome every week. Oh, they have a greeter that comes in and serves me coffee every week. Whatever it is that you like, or whatever it is where you're going you're not getting, that you want on your menu of wants for a church to provide for you, I encourage you, when I walked away from... When, I, when Kelly was telling me about Paul's message, where if it's not in the chairs, not the center of what we do, then I don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. I don't want to come here every Sunday and meet with a lot of people to pretend the chair's in the middle. Because if I have to pretend, then nothing's changing in our lives. And I, I'm 54, and I feel like some days I'm old. It's like, I don't want to do, I don't want to pretend for 25 years only to look at, it, look at myself and everyone that we've walked with go, yeah, we had some pretty good services. 
Oh, that was a good service. I want to eat of the fruit of that service for generations from you. So what, you know, so we have resources. I got to hurry. So we have resources. We have financial resources, which we're not just talking about money. And there's you, your resources. What's good and what's bad about church is people that come into church feel like the church is always asking for money, right? The great thing about us is that we're business people. We don't take a salary from the church. The only salaries in the church are our part-time people that handle, whether it's our administration, child care, um, secure, uh, police, um, I don't even know, website, and then Chuck and Ann are full, full-time pastors, and then we give offerings to the facility. Um, we, so we have about 200000 roughly, dollars in fixed cost. That's it. Everything else is we give away, or not all of it. We, give, we save some for emergencies, but we give away. Last year, in our resources, I, we gave away, because I want you all to know this. I'm going to talk a little bit about this. This is part of the resource side, because I'm, I'm getting to into the impact side. We gave away, this last year, 35% of what we took in away. 149, we gave away um, 69,000 to ministries, uh, 80,000 to uh, speakers and benevolence. Now, we gave 10,000 to Refresh and Resound, which is a minister to pastors and leaders over in the Southeast Asia. We gave 15,000 to Iris, 5,000 to Iris, 5,000 to the relief fund from the uh, uh, storm, the devastation they had over there, where, um, which is impacting lives. We gave $1,000 to Mar- Marcus Burgess, a Southside San Antonio pastor who I became friends with that didn't have money for Christmas. That when he went on a mission trip, um, I spoke with their church one, one time about four years ago, and I had to use a translator. But one time he was going on a mission trip, and he raised $2,500 in coins and dollar bills. He needed $1,000 for his kids for Christmas, so we gave it to him. So I'm showing you the gamut of what we do. 10000 to Answer International, a sex trafficking. Answer International. I don't know if I could get through this without. Um, this, this killed Kelly and I and Chuck and Anne-Marie and Jeff when this guy was speaking, that he goes into these bars and goes to the people that own these children, and he buys them. And it costs about $3,500 a person to get them out of the sex trade. And after he spoke, we bought three people as a church. We got three people out of the sex trade. And so it is. Yes, he doesn't just take them out and say goodbye. He puts them into a home. He, they, yeah. It does matter. I was just. I was caught up in the moment. Um, but it's, it's where they get them out and they minister to them and they train them and they teach them and they, and they put them back into society and find their families. $3,500 a person to get someone out of the sex trade. We can't do church as normal with that happening around the world. Listen, we can't give everything to that guy, but what you're, when you're giving, you're giving a chunk of what you give to do that. And so that's what it's about. It transforms you and equips you to see the world and see your life bigger than it really is sitting in this pew in San Antonio, Texas. Your life is bigger. Your life is impacting more people than you know. Because if it's not, let's pack up the bus and go home. I don't want to do church, and I know neither do you. And so think about when we give, when you give money, just because we don't take salaries and we have a low overhead doesn't mean you shouldn't give lavishly into the kingdom of God the way God, as the Holy Spirit leads you. Lavishly. Because we just sang the song, how good he is to us. But then we, well, I got everything I need. Well, know this, I'm not taking your money and going to take a money bath. Nothing, the only thing I get from, we get from this church just so you know, is we get a trip to, we get some trips to Bacaville to get sewn into again. And then we kick two days at Napa before. And we drink wine. 
And listen, if you want to put on your giving thing, do not give, do not drink wine with my money, and do not go to Napa on that drink. Fine, I'll use the other money. Jesus drank wine, we drink wine. Send, my, send your emails to Kelly. I said, send your emails to Kelly. But that's our respite. I mean, I'm just trying to explain where money goes. We do spend money. Uh, another thing we do, personally, is every Sunday after church, we go to dinner on the church. That's our stipend. We eat dinner, and then we go on two trips a year where we go to the Leaders Advance or the Vacaville Advance and get sewn into and refreshed. Okay, we're not, that, that's what we do. We, we spend thousands on guest, spe- guest speakers, and the reason we do spend thousands on guest speakers is they have different gifts, different voices, different anointings that might have something that you need. Because this is not a one-man show. This is not where you come in and hear me preach as a senior leader four weeks out of the or three weeks out of the month. You get bored with me. I hope you would, because then you have Kelly and Chuck and everyone else that we have preach here. We bring in different voices with different anointings. For you to be able to go, God, I hear that way. The way Danny speaks speaks to me. God, the way Dave Crone speaks, that I can hear his voice. Because everyone has a different way they hear. And so we bring in people. Why? So we can be transformed. You can see the thread of what I'm talking about is that we are trying to be tra- get transformed so we, with resources to get transformed, to have impact that's lasting. That's the vision of this church. And so we spend thousands on that. We spend thousands on benevolence for our own body. Galatians 6.10 says, So then, while we have the opportunity, let's do good to all men, especially those of the household of the faith. How can we not take care of our own and then expect to take care of others? And we have people in here that, are, that sometimes are suffering or need rent or don't have food, don't have anything for their children for Christmas, or car breaks down that they only can go to work. Their mother gets sick. Their father gets sick. They get sick. There's things that happen, and we want to be the first line of defense if there's zero insurance to say, hey, how can we help? We're not, we're not a bank We're not giving everything, but we're giving what we can because there's a lot of need. And so benevolence is really big to us. So when you're giving, you're giving to people in this community also, not just to the sex trade, not just to speakers, not just to missionaries. You're giving into this body. And I want to encourage you, and I'm not saying, I know sometimes a lot of people, this is not y'all, but I'm just saying it. For all the people that aren't here today, this does not apply to y'all is that sometimes we want to give something so we can be seen giving. Or you want to be the check presenter. Versus when you give here, I want you to know where it's going so you can be proud of where your money's going. Even though you're not presenting the check. One year, it was so awesome. When we started in the home, I'm sorry, I'm I'm really hurrying. But when we started in the home, across the street, there was a a, a mom that brought in um, that had three deaf children and a deaf teacher. And the deaf teacher didn't have a car to go to school. And so our church, through Stephen and Allie knew him, because Allie Dyer, uh, she does sign and work with the kids. Um, we bought him a car and let Stephen and Allie deliver it. You know, it's like, you take it. You go and deliver it. Because guess what? It's not from us. It's from God. Everything that we give flows through us from God. If we actually think that we're the provider of everything that is good, then we're out of order. It's everything that comes from God flows through us. So when they get something, they should go, God is good. It's almost like, don't say thank you to me. Say, give me a hug. I love hugs. So give me a hug, and we'll go on. But you don't have to say thank you. Say thanks. to Give praise to God. Because it was him that put you on our mind. I mean, you should have seen us blubbering idiots when this guy was talking about the sex trade. We were, Anne-Marie, you know, Anne-Marie and Kelly, when they cried, they got this real thing working. I mean, it was... It was ugly crying. It was ugly crying in the back. And I just knew when I found them and they were ugly crying, I said, we're about to give a lot of money. Because <laughs> when Kelly and Anne-Marie get that ugly cry going, when I did the generosity message and I put a bunch of money in a bucket, who was there for this, that message? I put all that money in the bucket and everything and everyone had credit cards and stuff. I mean, Kelly was just like, just, just doling out money. It was so much fun. 
I wish, I wish, I, I wish y'all could go hear that message because not that it was me. It was one of those God messages that just the anointing dropped on something and every need. You know, it's like out of Acts 3, um, there was no need amongst us. Everybody left with their needs met. It was, fu- it was a fun night. So those are the types of things we're giving to. If you ever have personal questions about where we're giving or if you have an idea of someone in need, email us. And you go, hey, this family has nothing. They're getting about to get thrown out of their house. Email us. Now, know this. We trust you to make sure it's not a habit or it's not done because, and I'm spending some, just a little more detail, that, it's, that we're not actually um, perpetuating a problem. But we're actually help, helping someone out that, can, that really wants help, just doesn't want a handout. But we, we want to encourage people to work and, and do what they can. So that's, that's the money and the resources because of impact and purpose. See, without these two, we're running on a treadmill, marking time. Because transformation is measurable. Just like we see our kids transform in age, it's measurable. God in Ephesians 4 talking about being the mature man or woman. There's a maturity, a measurable maturity that takes place in us as we grow. Transformation is measurable. If we're doing the same thing we did four years ago, I've said this before, praying for the same things, but you're not willing to step and make a move yourself. I'm just waiting on God to move, and he's going, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. We do co-labor with Christ. See, the main characteristic that changed the world was faithfulness. Think about that. Jesus' words, if you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have, no, you have no, you no way with me. They stayed in. Not all of them, but they stayed in. After he died, when he said, I gotta go to the cross, And he said, go and pray. They were faithful and prayed. When he was buried, and they said, go. And they sat in the upper room and waited. They stood on a word that he was going to be true to his word. And they were faithful to see the Pentecost come and the power of the Holy Spirit. Faithfulness was transformed generations. Because one of the best attributes of God is that he is always faithful. And so when we see people faithful, when God sees faithfulness in us, to be able to say, I can give you this to steward because you're faithful. That you're going to show up. Hey, listen, as Christians, as Christians, if we can't show up on time for work and we get fired, we deserve to get fired. We need to be faithful to the ones that, in the jobs that he's given us to steward. I told some girls that they, um, they go to Joaquin's church uh, up in Austin, at Bethel, Austin, and I hired them from there. And I told him, and I've told people that work here at the church, I said, I love you, I'll hug you on the way out, but if you don't do your job, I'm going to fire you. Christians have to be the most faithful people because we serve the most faithful God. And so our lives should reflect faithfulness. If it's not, then we have to say, well, what are we disconnected with? And so faithfulness. I think uh, Jesus How faithful did they have to be on Pentecost, waiting on Holy Spirit? Well, he promised, well, it's Tuesday now. It's Friday now. Well, he promised, think about how long they had to wait to be faithful to God was going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. I might have ran. I don't know. So are we faithfulness to the presence? That's the vision. Are we faithfulness to generosity with our time and our resources? Are we faithful with impact? And here's my point to the whole message. Are we pouring in developing people? Are we pouring in and developing people? Because when we have these revelations, if we're not pouring in and developing people, then it stops with us. And and because it takes time. One, it takes revelation and transformation. Two, it takes time. It takes resources, and then it takes faithfulness. Faithfulness to not just impact someone's life. I can impact you tonight with a message, but somebody has got to disciple the message for it to stick and go to the next generation. You can read a good book, and you get the revelation, but someone has to disciple and water that revelation for it to be generational. If not, it's a good book you once read sitting on your shelf that really changed your thought life for a moment. 
And that's not what we're after either. I believe that when we finally come to the revelation of what we're, that we're after generational transformation, I think a lot of, our, a lot of what we do and the attitudes we have toward uh, people will change. One of the things that, you know, the little simple stuff, some of us are waiting for a platform while people on the streets are waiting for us. Some people are waiting for a platform when people on the streets are waiting for us. Well, I want to be on the platform. I want the mic. There's dying people in the streets and there's people next to you that need your help. When we come to the revelation of just that, how simple the gospel is, that it's everyone around us and not just speaking up here. I was in a meeting one time and um, everyone was talking about mothers and fathers. And um, they were all talking about, I'm not going to do any names, but just talking about fathering and mothering and apostles and stuff. And the Lord down, just gave me a, a word to say, you know, after I, sit, I sat silent for an hour and a half in this meeting, which is very rare for me. And my buddy goes, hey, Joey, what do you have to say? I said, well, I just heard the Lord say, God doesn't care who says it the best. He cares who lives it the best. You cannot father people from behind a pulpit. So find someone to father and mother because that's active. I didn't, I didn't sit behind a glass shield at dinner and go, children, father here, I will teach you as we eat. No, I sat down with them. I don't, I'm not, I don't love my wife from a pulpit. It takes time and takes intentionality to go and do it. And sometimes we feel like, you know, we disqualify ourselves. Sometimes we disqualify our merging gift because we're jealous of someone's mature gift. Well, I'm just not as mature in my gifting as them. I'm not as, I'm not as prophetic as Kelly or Chuck. I'm not as funny as Joey. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> I don't get words of wisdom or this or that. I'm not, you know, and so... But you're looking at someone's mature gifting. They're, they've been down the road. And hopefully they've, they've forged a path for you to walk freely in that gifting. If, you know, as, a, as prophetic people in this house, I just used, you know, Kelly and Chuck, hope, they're, they're plowing something that hopefully makes it easier for you to walk in prophetically. Hopefully, leadership-wise, I'm plowing something that helps you guys walk cleaner and easier. But not without any intentionality, though. Because it's easy doesn't make it any less intentional. Don't confuse that because, well, this seems so easy. Yes, so go further and go harder. People broke the ground so you can run faster. Well, run faster. Don't make them drag you. They're already broke. The ground's broken. My hope is that y'all go way beyond anything. Look at this. Followers will never know how hard the leader tries to create a path. And so people that you minister to will never know how hard it was for you to blaze a path. As you get transformed and you go transform somebody, whoever you're sowing into will never know how hard that was. Because they're walking in the path from which you, drew, you, 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 you plow. And I hope that sinks in, because when you think about it, when you're sowing into somebody, my hope is they see that vision, and that guy right behind there all of a sudden takes the lead. I want to be led by some of the people that I sow into. And a lot of the people that I sow into are here today. I spend a lot of time with a bunch of men that I hope lead one day so I don't have to be that dog. And I'm hoping one day someone that you're sowing into can ask you to take the lead for you. I'm not talking about authority and under. and so I'm talking about running. I would love for the people that I'm running with to run before me some. Take some of the load. I want to sit behind the boat in the wake, you know. I don't want to go outside the wake and hit the choppy things. I want to be able to get behind the wake. I want to be able to feel that, ah, okay, I plowed. Now I can, I can still run. But I can rest because guess what? The people that we're sowing into are running just as hard. You don't always want to be the one in the back complaining about how cold it is. 
Dang, it's cold, and the snow's deep. Yeah, try it from up there. Chirpers. Sorry, I, that, that, was, that was bad. So I'm going to read this. Often people who criticize your life are the same people that don't know the price you pay to get where you are today. Dan Fairley said this, and I love this quote, because we're a house of freedom, right? Blaze 5 is for freedom that Christ set us free. Dan Fairley said this, in worship we often shout, freedom! But I never hear anyone shout responsibility. <laughs> responsibility! No, that's stifling in the... Isn't that funny? I love that for some reason. Maybe it's just me. Um, but that's, that's what I find probably one of the most satisfying things is seeing the people that, and I know you do too, the people you sow into running not just in, next to you, but in front of you. That in the vision of calling people higher, that we're here to call people and push people higher. Elevate your anointings. Elevate who you are. Elevate what you're doing in a healthy way, right? But if we're not working on getting healthy and we're always coming up sick, don't pretend you're not sick. Get healthy so you can go and pass that on to someone else and do the hard work. We don't elevate gifting. We elevate maturity here. There's plenty of gifted people. And I have a whole message on that that I've been preaching in other churches is that we don't, we stir the gifting. We, stu we, we all want to focus on what Paul said about stirring the gifting, but we want to deal with the crap underneath. And that crap underneath eventually comes out. And, and usually a volcano of disruption. But that's a whole other message. I preach six messages tonight. <laughs> so that's the reason why. It's like we want, to, we want to be able to gather and be transformed and equipped Right? We want to use our resources, both our person and our money, to go and have impact in the world. And it starts with you. There's personal responsibility in the body of Christ. And it starts with you. And all it takes is a yes. It just says, yes, this is what I want. I want to work on being open and vulnerable where I can get all the healing I need. I can go out and make as much impact as I can through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're not hearing that, you're not hearing me. We don't want your best efforts. We want your best anointing to go flow forward. And that is allowing God to flow through you by getting rid of some of the stuff that impedes that. Shame, guilt, condemnation, addiction. Anything that, you know, separates any, not nothing that separates, anything that keeps you from hearing the voice of God to cleanse those places that God wants cleansed so he can use those places to be a testimony to him for someone, else, someone else's freedom. Because you're all walking testimony of your freedom. So is it a yes? So let's stand. Let's just extend our hands. And, and if you really believe this, let's say this. Father, I just say yes. I just say yes to your intentions for my life. I say yes to who I am as a son and daughter of God. I say yes to your plans for my life. I say yes to letting go all those things that entangle me and break off all those chains that hold me back. Father, I say yes to intentionality and vulnerability. I say yes to being used so that I can have impact in the, on this earth. But Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may be empowered to do the things you call me to do so I can do things I've never done before, see things I've never seen before, and be transformed, that I can pass it on to the next generation, that we can see your kingdom revival for thousands and thousands and thousands of years by starting with a small seed here in Kingdom Life San Antonio. Father, we just bless you now. We bless each and every one here. And we just pray, Father, that this will become a new day. A new day for each and every one of you to say yes to what God is doing and not what he's not doing, but to say yes in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.